Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Well, hello again. Here we are. We've Linda's with me today and Sarah Loy. We get to have a conversation with her. I'm so excited. This is going to be a great conversation. Um, I want to make a quick announcement. The Abortion Recovery Podcast will become Forward with Purpose Podcast starting January 2024. The purpose and content of the show will remain the same, but the name and the logo will change. So Forward with Purpose is a Christian coaching ministry of an even place where I am passionate about keeping the pro-life team, which consists of the PRC workers who do the offense and the abortion recovery workers who do defense on the field and in the game. I'm offering Christian coaching services to aid in support and care for all pro-life women workers so they continue to serve with joy and excitement. So Linda, tell us just a little bit about what's going on with the National Memorial for the Unborn. Yeah, Mindy and I do this as a joint project um, between an even place and, and the memorial. And uh, we are doing some um, exciting things. Our, the most exciting is that we are uh, in technical layout of the virtual wall. So we will be taking um, the 3000 plus names that are on the physical granite wall in Chattanooga, and we will be putting them online. So it will be like experiencing the wall, um, which is uh, for those of you that have haven't had a chance to visit um, is a powerful experience as you read through these nameplates placed by people from all over the country. Um, and it's it's a new face on abortion. It helps people understand um, the pain and the and the healing of abortion and, and gives dignity to these children. So uh, we're really excited about um, hopefully, um, I hate to even say January 24, but sometime in 24. <laughs> um, very soon we will be having that virtual wall up and um, I hope that it'll reach a whole new audience and that um, we, we really anticipate that 3,000 becoming 30,000 very quickly as as we get this out into our culture as, as a uh, conscience for our nation. That's going to be beautiful and I can't wait till you have that up. Um, and just so everyone knows, the next 
podcast interview is scheduled for the 20th of October. And we're having Regina Block, the director of the National Memorial for the Unborn. Right. So we're going to be talking all things Memorial, National Memorial on yes, that. Yes, and giving, um, giving names and the value yeah. of names, the value of Memorial. Yes. It's, it's going to be, be great. fantastic. Yes. Looking forward to it. Okay. Well, we have Sarah Loy here. She is with Spring Water Healing out of Massachusetts. And, um, I'm just going to let her take over here. So Sarah, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then how spring healing water got started. Spring water healing, excuse me. Yes. Hi. And thank you so much for having me on today. I've very much been looking forward to this and it has really been a joy to be involved with spring water. We are an arm of a pregnancy center that's in Boston, Massachusetts. And Springwater is specifically offering after abortion healing services. So um, individual care and group care in the form of weekly groups and also weekend retreats. And I've been with the Pregnancy Center for 15 years, which is hard to believe, and have walked through many different roles there, even getting to serve as the executive director for seven years. And then a few years ago, the Lord uh, just called me into a different season and um, led me to step down as executive director and to focus more on after abortion care. And it's been a real privilege just to see how God has worked, just not only in my healing journey, uh, but to be able to walk alongside people in, in their healing process and journey too. Awesome. That's awesome. And so um, just to really quickly, uh, Linda and I just went through your virtual training for Forgiven and Set Free. Now, when you did the training, you were training more for in-person groups, although you did touch on some virtual application um, for that as well. And it was a really, really good training. Linda and I both enjoyed it a lot. So if you could just tell us a little bit about that so that everybody else knows what that is and when you'll be starting your next group. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. And the the trainings have definitely been a work in progress. Um, Linda Cochran, uh, who wrote Forgiven and Set Free, was so generous in allowing her, allowing us, um, her, uh, the person who stepped in after she stepped away, uh, her name was Kim Taylor. Linda had allowed us the opportunity to use a lot of her notes um, and resources in order to develop this training, um, the Forgiven and Set Free training. And the training is six hours. Uh, we've been doing the training as six one-hour sessions. And it's been a great experience just to have people join and be trained in order to lead the groups. Yeah. And so yeah. for anyone listening, if they're interested in, in those, uh, I believe uh, the information may be the contact us maybe in the notes and we'd be happy to connect with anyone who's interested. Yes. Yes. I'll be putting Sarah's uh, email in the show notes. It's S Loy L O Y at springwaterhealing.org. Again, that'll be in the show notes. So you can look it up there and, or you can contact me and I can give it to you for some reason it doesn't work. But um, Linda and I both 
talk still about how we walk away with new things. And um, so it was exciting. It was exciting for I us. I loved it, it was, because it was, yeah. oh yeah, I, I loved it because whether you've been doing it for lots of years, like like I have, or for the, the brand new, I, I mean, it just covered so many bases and great ideas and uh, very well organized and, and you did a great job. Yeah. Thank you guys. Really yeah. appreciate that. So today um, we're kind of centering around one topic. It's going to be around co-leading, co-leaders specifically, not necessarily co-leading a group. And so from the aspect of somebody who is running the ministry or who is the main facilitator of a group and um, just what your co-leader does, how your co-leader is um, an advantage to you, how they help. And um, and then we're actually going to have a conversation I want to preface this and I want to say this now in the beginning of this show, we're going to have a conversation of whether we believe or what our position is. Let me put it that way on having a co-leader co-leading a group that does not have abortion in her past. And what I want to say is to everyone listening that we can agree to disagree on this. This is not a doctrinal thing. This is um, our personal convictions, our positions, our opinions and yours might be different. And I would love to have you on the show if yours is different, because I do think this is a conversation that we do need to talk about for a lot of reasons, but I don't think this is something that should divide us. There's enough coming against us. We don't need to be having um, factions and, and cracks and rifts within the movement. We need to be united. We need to be able to say, yeah, okay, so you're going to do it this way. You stand before God. I'm going to do it this way. I stand before God and we're going to trust that God has us both. And that's where I think that as a whole and as a movement, we need to rest and then be able to have conversations knowing that we love each other and we're actually rooting for each other, that God will do a great work in our groups. So First, we're going to start the conversation off um, because in the training, in the virtual training, Sarah had brought up some good points that I had never thought about before in regards to co-leaders. And so we're just going to kind of work through some of these questions that I have for her and um, and just see where this conversation goes. So I want Sarah first, if you don't mind, talk about the importance of having a co-leader. I do think it's having a co-leader is an important piece of leading groups while also really valuing what you just said, Mindy, that, that the way each or organization and group does things is, can be different and that that's okay. Um, I think that prayer is definitely, um, a wonderful way to discern, you know, the ways in which, God does want us to lead. And so that being said, I've, I've definitely just seen great value in having a co-leader. The ways in which you can work together with someone to lead a group um, have just shown and given great benefit and blessings to the group, to the groups that I've been able to be a part of. You know, it's wonderful as you walk through a group to just have the different perspectives. You know, people lead in different ways and being able to see the way those different styles blend together is, it's a blessing to to be a part of and also to observe, if that makes sense, you know, while you're walking through. 
And I remember a retreat. There was a, a woman from another who leads the after abortion care at her center. Um, she and I were leading this retreat with one another. And after the first night, uh, we, we both came to this place of feeling like we were doing it wrong. You know, oh, well, I, I'm nothing like her. <laughs> you know, maybe I should lead the more, more of the way that she leads. And it was so wonderful because we came together and talked about it and realized that we were both feeling that way and that it was a huge blessing to be able to talk about that because God has created us very differently and the way we lead is very different. And God was using that to meet this group. And it wasn't where I needed to change or she needed to change, but we could learn from each other and also lead in the way God had made us. And there will be difficult things that come up in your group, you know, places of, of hard places you may see where someone's struggling for, with healing or, or places where you don't even realize there may be a hardship that the, that the co-leader notices. And it's just a really wonderful way to work in community while you're in community with the group, if that makes sense. So having yeah. a co-leader, I think is, it just ends up being a tremendous blessing. You know, I heard you yeah, say, some... oh, okay. So real quick, let me just say for everyone listening, we might have a lot of some overlapping of talking and um, delay because Linda and I are in the same region and we're having storms. And so it looks like our internet is doing that again. So Linda, go ahead. <laughs> You know, I think a lot of people listening um, are from smaller groups and, and often are just um, working with one or two women, even one-on-one -on -one kind of things. Do you still recommend a co-leader, even if you're you're working with just one woman? One woman? I think the one-on-one -on -one care can look different. Okay. You know, that, that that is a specific type of care. Yeah, I, th I think the group work is more maybe what I was thinking of where, you know, having okay. those two and not that there would be anything wrong with having two, you know, working with one woman. Um, but it does, I guess in my mind, it doesn't feel as important as, okay. as when you're working with a group. Yeah. Great. Thanks. So I was listening to you say that you were working with this co-leader at a retreat and I know you do um, weekly as well and you do some virtual, correct? You do in-person weekly groups and virtual groups. Yes, that's correct. Um, but just in regards to what you were saying, you guys were each each individually having these thoughts in your head that, oh, okay, I'm not leading, like she leads better than me. Maybe I need to do it her way, whatever. Um, which lead, led me to believe that you guys were co-leading in a way that she was doing some of it and you were doing some when you guys had divvied up some of the, the work. So that does lead to an, another question I have. What what role do your co-leaders play? Because some people I know will allow the divvying up of work. And then others are like, no, your, your co-leader is just to kind of sit there and be a supportive role to the main leader. So how do you do, how do you do that? Yeah, well, I think that changes as the person facilitating the group grows. So in the beginning, after a facilitator may walk through training, and then we ask for our facilitators to go, that they would be leading a group, co-facilitating co a group with a more experienced leader. 
So it's almost like continued training that they walk into by co-facilitating with a leader. And even in that, they're still doing a lot. You know, the division of responsibilities would still be about equal, um, but an, a more experienced leader might be doing some of the more involved activities where they, you know, they've walked through this before and they have a better idea of what it looks like exactly. And so that person, that leader might lead those more involved exercises. But the person co-facilitating is still doing um, quite a bit, you know, during the group. So we usually meet ahead to go over the agenda each week and divvy up um, and pray. You know, I, I feel like the the Holy Spirit, I just met with, we're leading a group right now, and I met with my co-facilitator this morning, and we were just praying, you know, Lord, if there are things you want to change about what we have on our agenda, please do so. And he did. <laughs> there were things that he moved around on there and also um, added to. And and so being able to work, I think, with someone else, it it allows, I think, that more, you know, and the way I've seen God orchestrate the leaders has always been amazing with who's in the group. You know, God puts all these people together um, that we could not really ever do on our own. Yeah. So how you mentioned in the training, and I thought this was a very interesting comment, um, and I totally agreed, but how does a co-leader guard against pride? Mm, yes. So getting to be a part of leading these groups, you see people completely transformed. You know, you see it's almost like these weights are just taken off and people's postures, you know, they're standing up straighter with more confidence. And it can be very easy to think that you were the one who did that. <laughs> you know, um, God does use us as um, his vessels but we are not the ones bringing about that change. You know, he is. And so it's, you know, when when you have someone working with you, I think that that really allows, uh, it, it does help guard you in a sense that for you to take all the credit and feel like this is something that, again, that you've done, you know, by yourself. It, it's a gift you get to even celebrate with that other person of seeing how God is working and how he's changing them literally before your eyes yeah it, it is like one of the do i sound funny do i sound normal okay something's ringing back in my in my headphones um really weird um almost sounded like a demonic voice <laughs> i'm sorry okay um i don't know where i was going to say or what i what we were going to do next but um all right, so let's talk about the tension between co-leaders. What are some of the things that can cause tension, and um, how how do you have you resolve those? What have you do you have an example? I think if there's a difference in opinion about how to do something, um, or if if you know something, sometimes things do come up in group where you're where it's unexpected that. Um, you know, maybe maybe someone in the group shares something that changes the course, or let's say um, you end up spending a little bit more time 
in a certain portion of the group than you had anticipated before. And you're, the co-leader maybe is the one leading that, or maybe that's my section. And, you know, I've uh, gone a little bit longer in time mm -hmm. than had initially been planned for, you know, those types of things can lead to maybe frustration, you know, from the other person, because you have your eye on the clock, sort of knowing, you know, how much time you have to get through things. And I do, I do remember there was a, a time when the co-leader and I, there, there was a third party. So this was actually at a retreat. Um, there was a third person at our retreat who was helping lead, um, who had been, and she's a real prayer warrior and had really felt like the Lord uh, was um, kind of giving her a word for the women um, to, to share with them at the end. And so then the co-leader and I really needed to pray over that to determine, well, is that something to share? And because you don't ever want it to be just one leader going off and doing their own thing, right? We want to be working together to make those types of decisions. Um, and there was a point at which there was a little tension, you know, that came in sort of one person feeling like you should, we should do this or we shouldn't. Um, and finally, it just, it came to that place of, you know, one of the leaders just sort of surrendering and saying, you know, we're, we'll go with what you feel like is the best thing. And, and so I think that what stands out to me from that is just like humility, <laughs> you know, being the prayer and humility. So really bringing it to the Lord and also um, the, the humility of maybe if, if, even if I don't agree that this can still be how we move forward and still be in unity, if that makes sense. Yes. Total sense. And I know I had one situation where there was actually a little bit of a doctrinal issue that came up where we kind of surprised each other because she sort of sprung this on me. It was with the forgiveness issue. And um, she had a, a kind of a different view that I had never heard before and, and was kind of um, saying, well, this isn't exactly right what was in the book <laughs> she surprised me um and uh but I love what you said about humility and you know right there in the group we had to agree to disagree and presented both sides to the to the ladies and then moved on so um I love I love that humility and and um you know there's not gonna be much doctrinal have you ever experienced that at all because the the, the study keeps us pretty focused on the the main points but every once in a while you could be surprised and have have something um a little bit rabbit trail <laughs> come up yeah and I, I don't know that there's been as much doctrinal issues um i do think vetting your volunteers ahead is is good but but doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have issues like that because I think those yeah. those can definitely um, be present. Um, but I'm not. I feel like there may may have been in the past, but I'm just not having anything come to mind around that specific, you know, issue. Yeah. And maybe not so much doctrinal, but just different approach, different denominational uh, genres and, and fields that we have. And I think that's one of the reasons God blesses it, because he puts us together and, and balances each other out. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with that. Yeah. And you were talking about, um, and it just kind of made me think, I guess, when you were talking about the retreat and you had the three ladies um, leading 
uh, three of you were leading and um, you decided to go to prayer over something the lady wanted to share. Do you, um, and gosh, everybody is so different than this. Do you subscribe to the view that there is one, uh, one main leader that kind of gets the final word of things, or do you guys sit in prayer until you get the answer? How does that, how does that look for you? Well, I think for the groups, we usually have two people leading together um, who are sort of those main decision makers, unless, as I mentioned, if there's a leader or a co-facilitator, you know, maybe someone who's a little bit still more in that training process, um, that may be a little different where there might be that leader taking more of the lead. Um, but there have been times, yes, of just sort of sitting in prayer and and asking the Lord for real wisdom um, and waiting for an answer. The Lord's really been teaching me a lot about listening prayer. And I feel like it's an area he's really been growing me in. And, and it's been a beautiful journey, honestly, and just um, hearing from the Lord and really feeling like he's giving direction over very, even very specific, you know, questions and, very specific items and and definitely in the groups it's it's added such life <laughs> to the to the groups you know just different ways of of operating and just being open to where his spirit goes that's beautiful you know was there ever a time when tension between you and your leader affected the group? If not, um, if you don't have a story for that or a time that that happened, um, how can that tension affect the group? And I'm curious, Linda, um, you guys had to agree to disagree on the doctrinal issue inside the group that came up as a complete surprise. And how did that affect your group? So it's kind of for both of you. I kind of felt like it, it wasn't a negative necessarily because it showed that we were still learning and growing and, and, you know, that we didn't have all the answers and we tried to take it back to scripture, you know, and, um, and love each other, even though we disagreed on it. So I, I don't think it was a negative really, as far as what the women in the group felt. I think that's such a great way to approach it too, Linda, that, I think that does have the potential to cause division. And I think when you can see it in a way, as Linda just described that that's, um, that brings great benefit to the group. It is great if you feel like there is something, like some kind of tension perhaps with your leader to connect with them and to talk with them, you know, whether that's through an official debrief after your group or just in general, you know, just checking in. You know, um, you know, in group, we we had, you know, we each shared our thoughts about about this specific thing. Uh, you know, how are how are you and I doing? Are we, you know, are we okay with each other? And just trying to clear the air because when those roots of bitterness or anger or whatever it may be get in, it does affect your group. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and I think the Lord cares just as much about where the leaders are, kind of with in their you know, places of yeah. healing, forgiveness, et cetera, just as much as the people walking through the group too. 
And the leaders are to be the set the example anyway, whether or not the group is affected or knows about it, you know, if we're not reconciling ourselves, then there is a problem with the leadership that is, that will ultimately affect the group in some capacity. Yeah. I'm thinking about leading groups and how I do it. And to this point, I have never had the privilege of being a, just a co-leader where I'm sitting, um, being in a supportive kind of a role, but most of the leaders who have come through with me to this point have been supportive rather than co, you know, going back and forth. I, there's, um, one friend of mine, we did a couple of groups this year together by virtual and we did back and forth this year. And, um, so that was the first time I've been able to do that. And that was hard for me. I have to say, because it got, I was out of my rhythm because you, when you're leading, you get into a rhythm. And so I would get out of my rhythm. I wasn't paying as of close attention because when she was leading, I just kind of stepped back and wasn't paying. I don't know. I just wasn't engaged as much. So it was, I found it was really hard for me to be the one going back and forth, um, as a, as a co-leader, like, you know, sharing responsibilities within the group. I do see the value of that though, of having a trainee come in and say, okay, why don't you do this portion? You do, you know, and whatever, um, whatever that activity is or what that looks like. But so I guess what I'm getting at for anybody listening, because somebody else might be like me listening, going, I just don't know if I could do that. And maybe you can't. And so I think it's important that we understand how we lead, you know, because we don't want to hinder the group because either A, our leader style is just so different or B, it's getting us off our rhythm and out of our, you know, what's normal for us, you know, what we do. Now, Linda, you've been doing this for 25 plus years and you're, I don't know if this is the first time, but I know you're co-leading with um, another gal right now through an even place and you guys are going going back and forth and sharing responsibilities. We're going back and forth. We are. What I have done actually the last five years or so is uh, with one of my co-leaders was uh, we take one week. I take one week and she takes one week. And we had been doing it that way for a long time. And and it was working pretty good. But um, yeah, we're trying right now with with this new gal um, to to divvy it up. And uh, I think there's pros and cons both ways. Like you said, when you're doing the whole thing, you kind of got your rhythm you know where you're going Mm -hmm. and it is an adjustment to to uh okay are they through are we ready to go to the next section where do I jump in yeah (laughs) kind of thing so we're kind of just working some of that out but I think on the other hand um having both of us interacting with the women each session it it it, I think adds to the group dynamic because they see both of us as as being a, a part of each time. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess it just depends on the people too. I don't know. What do you think, yeah. Sarah? Yeah, no, I do. And and I and as you lead with different people too, you know, people do have le- different leading styles, and and there have definitely been some leaders that have been a little bit more. I don't know, difficult's the right word, but but more. Um, it's just more different in their leadership style maybe than I am. Um, and so those ha- that has felt harder at times, but then with some people, it's very easy um, and it just flows very naturally. Um, but one of the reasons I think we've continued to do it um, is, is I feel one, it gives me a really good sense as I'm training 
um, of how people are leading and whether they're going to be um, how they would do, for example, leading a group on their own with somebody else, because some people need a little bit more um, experience first. So they may need to lead two groups with a more experienced leader uh, versus one um, or maybe even ongoing with with a more experienced leader, just depending on their giftings. So it does really help give a sense of that. Um, and and I just I think personally just really like it. Um, just kind of sharing, you know, those. But I know the retreats, we go back and forth, um, you know, with the different chapters as well. So one leader will take, you know, the, the chapter on depression if we're doing forgiven and set free, you know, and another will do anger. Um, so I think that those can work really well too. Yeah. That, that yeah. Do, going back and forth within the same chapter at a retreat to me feels that would be very difficult because <laughs> you're moving just at such an intense pace uh, through the material. So I, I definitely actually recommend alternating um, in that case. But with the weekly groups, it's for us, it's worked out pretty well. That's good. I was, um, you know, that right now I'm leading, we're leading a group and I have a co-leader who she was hesitant to be a co-leader. She's very sweet. Uh, she's also my assistant, but she, um, she just is very emotional. So she cries really, really super easy. And, um, and I think it's a very endearing quality about her, but her concern is, you know, that she's just going to be crying through the whole thing. And, you know, as a leader got to have, you got to hold it together for the majority of the time. And so she was a little concerned and she asked me, can I sit in just to, as to be your co-leader, but more of an observer. And I said, sure. And so she's doing just um, background support, which um, we can talk more about that in just a minute, but um, have you ever allowed women who are not quite comfortable, but think that they want to lead groups to just sit and observe in that kind of situation? And actually kind of be a part of the group. So I, I call her and she asks, she answers questions. You know, she doesn't sit there silent, but how have you done that or have you? Yeah, I, I don't think we have ever actually had anybody just sit in an, in an observation role. Um, I think for someone who is wanting to be a facilitator and needs healing, that healing themselves, you know, who may be post-abortive, they've definitely gone through the groups, you know, as participants. Well, and she has, so that, that, oh yeah, she definitely went through it and now she's helping me, but it's, I'm just curious, have you ever had anyone be an observer more, more, more so than just not participate as a leader? Yeah, no, no, we haven't. Um, it, and, and I think each group is definitely different. I think, one of the, you know, the, the, the groups are definitely a place of sharing just such deep, um, you know, places of emotional pain. And, and I think that's great if someone is sitting in, in that capacity, as you said, to be answering, you mm-hmm. know, those questions mm-hmm. themselves and coming from that place. Um, yeah. But, but I think having someone in a strict observation role where, where that wouldn't be the case, for example, um, would maybe not be something I'd recommend, um, just because the the we don't want the women in the group sort of feel like they're mm-hmm. um, it, it can it can restrict your ability to share. 
So at our, at our pregnancy center, we have a lot of counseling interns who come through. So people who are pursuing counseling degrees and are completing internships here. And as a part of their training, they sit in on sessions. And one of the things I've noticed for years is that the, the interactions, the, the client, um, how they respond when someone is in, else is in the room is always very different. And, and also training is critical, right? And it's necessary. So it's really balancing those two things, but we really try not to ever have um, something that would make really potentially be a hindrance to, mm-hmm. to someone's process. Um, yeah. And again, it sounds yeah. like the way you guys are doing it or is wise. Yeah. Yeah. I would never just have somebody just sit and not be a part of the group, not participating. Um, so yeah, when she said, can I just observe, I told her really what her role is, is she, when you're doing virtual, I think it's a different, and this is probably a conversation we can dive into another time, but because you can't feel the energy of the room. And so for me, when I'm doing virtual, I'm really focused on the women, but I'm focused on the material as well. And because of the screen, there's, um, there's just not that, I don't know, there's just a lack of connection there. And so my, my co-leader is the one that's actually watching the group and writing down things that they say. So helping us to keep notes so we can keep track of their, their progress as they're going through the group, the themes that they're struggling with to see how the Lord is answering those later on in the group. And, um, so they're, they're, that's what she's doing. She's very much a support role. So when we get into the debrief, which we haven't talked about yet, but when we get into our debrief, I'm asking what, what have you observed? What did I miss anything? What's going on in the group? And, um, tell me what you saw about this, or I saw this, did I see this correctly? Because, Again, I'm, I'm focused on them when they're talking, but when I'm doing material, I'm down here looking at my material and we're talking, you know what I'm saying? So there's kind of a lack sometimes. So yeah, that's what, that's mostly what my co work, my co co leaders have done to this point. And then when, when we're going around and we're doing questions, I'm getting them into that conversation. So they get to answer questions as well. And they become part of the conversation definitely, but they're supporting me by observing the group, observing the dynamics, you know, and, um, taking notes for me. So, um, and so let's talk about that debrief. What is it and why is it important? It's definitely a place to connect with your co-leader after the group, just taking some time, a few minutes, and it could be, you know, five to 10 minutes after the group meeting just to see how things went. And the questions we've been utilizing most recently are ones that Linda Cochran had shared. It's what could we have done differently? How did we do it supporting one another? And how did we do it supporting the group? So just to, you know, a check-in to see how, just see how the group went and it, was there anything we could have done better, done differently? And this could be an opportunity uh, to really bless your co-leader, you know, in seeing ways that that she may have spoken into something um, in a in a really wonderful way. So it's it's definitely a place to build each other up, and also maybe there was a hard, you know, area. I remember a recent group we did in one of our debriefs. The co-leader and I 
really both felt like we both had gone a little bit too deep into something someone in the group had shared. Uh, so it was taking us a, a, a little bit of a digression. Um, and so being able to talk about that after the group really helped us both to, to identify that. You know, it was a sense we had, but being able to talk about it really sort of affirmed, you know, yes, we did. I think we did go uh, too far in this other direction. And it, it just allows you to kind of recalibrate and make sure that you're in a good place. And then we usually pray, you know, for the group in the next meeting and go forward from there. And that's kind of what we do. Um, I love the debrief because it helps me to see what I didn't see, you know, because we're all, we all have different eyes on it and, um, you know, receive messages differently. And uh, yeah, you get a chance to just kind of go, you know, I'm glad that you said that or because we know when the co-leaders are um, speaking and doing their part, you know, in, in the conversation, I get to sit back and just listen to them and watch the group for that minute. So it's very helpful. Very, very helpful. And there was a, uh, a story, <laughs> there was a, a group that we had last year. Um, and one of my ladies, um, was mildly autistic, sweet lady. And, um, but she, when she would come into the group, she would sort of, it was sort of dark in her room. So you couldn't fully, fully see her face. And, um, there's a window kind of behind her. And then every once in a while, we'd see these puffs of smoke into the light, you know, where the window is. And we were like, oh my gosh, because we didn't see her put anything to her mouth. Like what's going on? So I saw it, but I'm trying to stay focused on the, you know, on the material and on the group. So I didn't seem think much of it, but I, well, I did think much of it. I was like, I hope that's just a vape, you know, or, you know, just a cigarette and not something else. So anyway, um, in the debrief, I was able to sit with my co-leader and say, you know, okay, what did you think about that? What did you see? What do you think? Do Because, you know, in vapes, they can include marijuana. It's like, is this something that we address, you know? And, you know, her comment to me was, um, you know, being that she's mildly autistic and there's some social things there, this might be just her vaping to keep herself calm. And, you know, the rest of the group, that the, the observation was that nobody else in the group seemed to be upset or, you know, bothered. And so we just kind of let it go throughout the entire time we were together and it, and she was fine. She always, she was one of the most articulate, um, clients that we had on that group. She, um, knew that scripture so well, and her answers were always so thought well thought out and formulated well. And, um, she was a joy to have in group. It was just, okay, we weren't expecting that, you know, it was a bit of a distraction and we just needed to make sure for the group's sake that, because the rules say you can't come if you're, you know, doing drugs or alcohol and you, if we find out. So we just needed to kind of talk about that together and decide, do we think she is? No, I don't think so. And so it's kind of the conclusion that we came to. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have that set time in place, it just allows the opportunity to address it right away. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we have the best intentions and then we walk away and after group, there are other things calling our attention and, and you may forget or whatever it may be. So having the, if you just know, okay, yes, we're going to set this time aside, even if it's just a few minutes after group. Um, and then it, it's just that place. I think having that structure can allow um, some things. It, and, and I would say when that conversation is a hard one, maybe if you are addressing something that might be hard, uh, it allows more of a safe space 
because you already know you have this time set apart <laughs> mm-hmm. that you can talk and and then it it just uh, helps that feel safer I guess that's a good point I like that doing it right after too because sometimes mm-hmm. I have tried to schedule it later in the week and you kind of forget you know mm-hmm. and uh, I love that doing it right after because it's still fresh in your mind yeah 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 because yeah, in like for us ours are late at night and so we go to bed sleep and the next morning it's you forget a lot or it gets distorted in your own thinking you know what I'm saying um so there are people that might think debriefing time is not important what would you tell them as to why you think it's important or why they should maybe uh, consider adopting this practice yeah I, I think just trying to promote that atmosphere of open communication you know with with your co-leader and I mean I I think just like with anything, these aren't, these aren't required, you know, the debriefings. Um, and at the same time, I just think it's a good practice. It, it helps set again, that structure in place so that you can bless each other, you know, with the ways that you've seen those strengths in your, in your co-leader, um, you know, and to talk about things that, that may be harder to talk about too. But yeah, I, I definitely don't, um, I mean, I feel like for a lot of these things, it's, these aren't hard and fast, you know, if you're, if you're not doing this, you're not doing good work, (laughs) you know, by no means. Um, But I do think that I know I, yeah, I've seen where it's been helpful in in really being able to encourage each other and clear the air at times when that's needed too. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And then to just finally close it all down in prayer. So for the last few minutes of our discussion, I want to get into the um, conversation uh, that we mentioned in the opening about co-leaders who do not have abortion in their past. And again, I just want to preface for anyone uh, listening that we can agree to disagree um, on this position. This is not a hard and fast, um, like written in stone, something that God says, this is something that um, we are each going to have our different opinions on, but we need to work on, I think more than anything, the unity of the movement, because we have so much against us on the outside. We don't need all this against us on the inside. So let's just kind of open up this conversation. Um, and Sarah, I'm going to give you the floor on what your position is and your opinions, um, working with, if you have worked with a co-leader, um, who does not have abortion in your past and just, uh, talk about that. Yeah, I, the very first group that I was a part of was with a, a co-leader who was not post-abortive. And now, so it was actually, it was actually the, the group that I was a part of that I went through for healing as, okay. and, and that I served as a co-leader as well. That's actually not something I would recommend. Um, and at the same time, I see how God has used that <laughs> and did use that in amazing ways. And I can share a little bit more about that if you're interested. Um, but the, the co-leader, um, so I am post-abortive and the co-leader. Can, can I stop you just for a second? Cause I want to make sure I understand. Cause I think I got confused. And so it, just in case anybody else got confused, you said it was not something you wouldn't recommend. What, what was not something you wouldn't recommend? Oh, sorry. I would not recommend for the very first group that you do being a participant in that group and also co-leading that group. Um, because oh, you were doing both. Yes. So oh. I was serving in a dual capacity oh. Oh, um, yeah. when, I, wow. when I came to the pregnancy center. 
Um, and there were lots of reasons sort of why that, you know, took place. Um, and again, God really used that uh, in really powerful ways. Um, but I do think someone should be, if, if they haven't walked through a group before, to be able to really focus on that healing um, solely is a really wonderful thing. Um, so the leader, the, the woman that I co-led with, um, and was really the main leader, because this was my first group, um, she was non-post-abortive. And I remember at the end of our group, the women, the other women in the group shared about how hesitant they were uh, when she shared that she had not had an abortion, but that they were so glad that she was a part of leading the group. Uh, so I think, and that's been my experience since then as well, is that um, women will often share later, oh, we had reservations, you know, just wondering, will this person be able to relate with me? Will they be able to really connect with the pain and the feelings that I'm experiencing? And by the end, just really are so grateful that this person was a part of the group. Uh, so from what I've seen, I really um, think that being able to have a co-leader who is non-post-abortive is a, is a gift. I think, you know, who, I think God calls many people into this work <laughs> and they may be coming from a place of having an abortion or more than one abortion um, or not ever having one. And I think that God can really use a willing um, heart and spirit. Um, there's a woman who wrote uh, a study of healing that's intended to go after forgiven and set free and surrendering the secret. It's called The Next Step. It's by Jane Meeks. And we're actually currently using that study right now with a group of women. But that study was written, again, by Jane Meeks, who is not post-abortive. But the Lord really mm -hmm. placed just this burden in her heart. Um, and so, you know, she's just one example of many I've seen that really have a gifting of just meeting with people in their pain and being able to minister to them. Yeah, that's good. And so when you say um, a co-leader who does not have abortion in her past is a gift, what in what ways are they a gift? Yeah, and, and by that, I definitely don't mean that that's a requirement. Uh, I think you can have two women who've had abortions and healed and to lead a group. <laughs> um, and and also, I think I have also come to a place where you could have two non-post-abortive women. Um, I just have, it, it, but I will caveat that with, I think that's why training is so important. Uh, you know, really having good training for people so that you feel confident in who you're able um, to, to allow into these groups. Um, but I guess by what I meant by it's a gift, um, you know, one of the things women are fearful of, especially I think in the church, is how people will respond if they know that you've had an abortion. And I heard someone say once, talking about the leader who was non-post-abortive, sort of representing the church, <laughs> you know, that this person, and I love that, you know, this idea that this person um, can show compassion, can show non-judgment and real care for what they're walking through and can help give them confidence 
in the church at large of how they may be welcomed or received and in sharing that. You know, just in my own, my own experience with that is, you know, when I share with people that I've had abortion in my past, or I'm doing this ministry, you know, at church, I'm, I'm sharing with my friends and whatever. Um, and they, they approach me and they tell me, you know, I don't have abortion in my past, but thank you so much for doing this. They're not shaming me. They're embracing me, right? They're, un- they're, they're connecting with me at the cross of forgiveness, but it's also adding to me a layer of healing, like, oh, okay, you're the one that I was afraid of in the first place. Not you specifically, but those who don't have abortion that would potentially condemn and shame, but well, it's why I kept quiet in the first place in church. You know what I'm saying? And now they're giving me that the right hand of acceptance, the right hand of fellowship in Christ. And that's like, it's, it's very freeing. It's very healing to go, oh, okay, you have no understanding and yet you accept me right where I'm at. Thank you. You know, that's, it's a beautiful, it, to me, that's the gift. That's the gift. Go ahead. And I think that's one reason that I love to have pastors come in for the memorial service. I think it's the same idea. It's the church as a whole, um, even though they haven't experienced that, accepting them and valuing their pain and, and, um, just being willing to walk with them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good conversation to have next, next interview with Regina. (laughs) Definitely. But I, I agree. I think, um, you know, it's, it's the thing we were talking about before we got started. It's the thing that I say to everybody, you know, uh, I, I just don't understand why we think abortion is this special sin. When we, as leaders tell our people, sin is sin at the cross. When we're walking women through healing, we tell them our sin is the same as everybody else's at the cross. God does not see degrees of sin. He sees lying and murder right next to each other. You know, he sees gossip and he sees fornication right next to each other. They're all sin to him. If we've missed the mark in one area, we've missed the mark in the entire area is what God tells us about the law. And, um, you know, we see people all the time going to do prison ministry and jail ministry who are not in jail, who don't have that kind of record or past. We see people doing addiction ministry that don't have that record in their past either. They aren't called or qualified because of their sin. They're qualified because Jesus Christ forgave them yes. and loved them. And, that's and, and I think those are the qualities to that are so good to look for in a facilitator, in a volunteer is, you know, do are the faith beliefs, you know, is that belief in Christ there, uh, the belief around life, you know, is there an ability to listen? Is there an ability, is there an ability for humility? I think those are some of the more important characteristics uh, per se than the, the one, you know, have you had an abortion or not? Yeah, I agree. And I guess well, I kind of represent ahead. the old school view of, of that it had to be aborted women. I mean, we did that for a long time, and I was definitely of that opinion. And uh, working with Mindy and, and doing this has um, really kind of brought me around uh, to open up and try some new things and definitely see the value in it in my uh, few experiences with that now. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is a conversation that I hope that we can keep discussing with people. Linda, you'll have to help me keep it right at the forefront because I think it's important. And um, we just, 
when we start to segregate ourselves into this little clique, this little group of people that this is, we're the only ones that can join this club. The ones who've had abortion can only be in this group, can only have this conversation. We inadvertently play right into the hands of Satan to keeping the church divided. We are the church because we, we need Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's not the sin. It's the gospel. So hopefully we can keep this conversation going. And, and I, I, what I really want ultimately is to, to create unity in the movement. It doesn't matter if we disagree, but how can we keep going for, how can we still support each other going forward, you know, and let God deal with you and let God deal with me and (laughs) be okay with that. And, and Mindy, if I could just add one further, you know, as Linda was sharing, um, I, Linda, I came from a very similar place as well. And I, it was interesting how one of our groups, um, it was just a series of events that culminated in a place where the, the two leaders available were non-post-abortive. Um, and it was something I really struggled over and prayed about. Um, and then it ended up just at the end, you know, and being able to reflect. I, I actually think God orchestrated things the, that way because it wouldn't have been a thing that I would have chosen, but that was sort of um, what was in place. And and it felt like there wasn't another option, but it also felt like it was what it was supposed to be, if that makes sense. Um, and maybe, mm-hmm. but um, I, I I feel grateful now, like being able to like look back and see I don't know. I do think policies and procedures are important. And at the same time, I think sometimes we put those in a place where they don't allow for the Holy Spirit to move. Um, And I'm not saying that this policy does or does not do that. But I think just in general, it can be easy to do that. I don't know, maybe I'm rambling there a little bit, but I just, um, I do, I I guess I do see the value. And I I did come from a place of not believing that uh, having someone non-post-abortive or even both people was okay. And I've come to a a real different place with that. Plus, just think of the additional volunteers that we are now getting access to by opening that door. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been a lovely conversation, Sarah. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, whenever we get on the phone, we, we always have good conversations. So now we get to bring it to everybody else and, um, that for that, I'm thankful. So I I appreciate your time. I appreciate you spending some time with us. And, uh, we didn't get to all of our questions on the list because they were outside of the, the scope of co-leaders, but, um, I'm hoping we can do this again and address those other questions and um, continue this conversation in the future. Well, thank you so much, um, both to you, Mindy and Linda for having me today. It's a pleasure. It was, it was. All right, well, that's the end of our show today. Thank you.